Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast where three literary matchmakers set you up with your next great read using only dating app questions like, do you consider yourself a romantic? What is your dream Saturday? If tattoos only lasted one year, what would you get? What's your go-to karaoke song? This is Blind Date with a Book. Prepare to fall in love. Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book, Meet Cute. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Mans McKenney, and I'm an author and book reviewer from the Midwest. I'm Elena Nicolau, and I'm the culture editor of Oprah Daily. I'm Kristen Evans, and I'm a critic and culture writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Today, we're setting up Nico Maragas, makeup artist and writer. We'll use our extremely scientific process of examining answers to dating app questions to help him make a match with a great book. Nico Maragas is a writer recently featured in the LA Review of Books, The Millions, Electric Literature, Mel Magazine, and other outlets. He recently read and adored Detransition Baby, and while another one of his favorites is Circe, he is not a fan of historical fiction. He loves the autumn and its lesson of impermanence, that's super deep, and could give an on-the-spot TED Talk about how makeup responds to cultural and political environments. His dream vacation would be a year wandering around Europe. Nico, welcome. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. We are so curious about your writing, especially about fashion and makeup. What are some trends that you're noticing in makeup right now? Um, I think that there is absolutely a resurgence of early aughts beauty trends. Think Britney circa, oops, I did it again. Christina circa the Xtina dirty era. Um, we're not seeing so much in everyday beauty, but in the editorial space, there's a major return to iridescent textures and yes, believe it or not, skinny eyebrows. Um, what? No. no. <laughs> I thought we all learned our lesson. Yeah, I literally bought eyebrow serum to get my eyebrows bigger. Like, what? Well, we've all learned our lesson, but we've also, a lot of us have learned how to block out our brows so we can just whip up skinny brows whenever we want to without damaging our own. So there's that aspect of it that I think really reflects like a a, a heightened um, and diffused uh, expertise and what used to be very like esoteric aspects of makeup artistry, such as blocking out the eyebrow, for example, or using things like like face tape to change the angle of the eye. So I think that there's definitely a resurgence of that early aughts beauty. Um, and also just a uh, general move toward looks that are graphic and precise and ethereal, um, Looks that I think showcase a, a higher level of skill um, when it comes to mastering symmetry and balance between two um, winged eyeliners um, versus the more like sultry, blown out, um, and like sexy Kardashian inspired makeup that has had reigned supreme at least until 2018 or so. Wait, so are you saying the Kardashians are over and Britney is back? Is that the translation? That's that's a gross oversimplification. <laughs> but um, no, I think that what we're seeing is actually people are okay with merging the two elements of the two 
um, and are also, I think, going to become okay with uh, slipping back and forth between those two trends, um, if we can call them like trends, even though they're they're more like like paradigms, like impulses. Um, so yeah, like the and I guess just to wrap this all up, there it's it's hard to say if there are really trends anymore because the trends that any given group of people follows is, is so specific to them anymore, thanks to things like TikTok's algorithm um, and just influencer culture. So while there are some general uh, observations that I've made, it's it's really, really hard to say anymore if there's any concrete trends um, that will trickle down to the mainstream in the cerulean sweater monologue fashion. What are some things that keep you from reading? My job. It's, you know, like it's, I have a glamorous job. Like I, I really do. Um, and I love it. I'm grateful for it. I do it every day. I'm passionate about it or the, whatever the rest of that meme is. The thing about beauty is that there's, there's a lot of grunt work involved. There's a lot of, you know, schlepping up seven story walk-ups in the Bowery. Um, there's a lot of running to make a, a connecting train between Jersey city and the West village. And then going from there to long Island city and somehow cleaning brushes and finding something, something to eat in between all of that. Um, so there's a lot of physical labor that goes into it that kind of goes unnoticed. Um, and there's also a lot of emotional labor that goes into, into the work that I do. And it's labor that I, that I en en enjoy performing. Um, but there's very much an energy exchange that uh, is implied in every application of makeup. Um, and you multiply that by four, five, six, seven clients a day sometimes. And at the end of the day, there's, there's a very little cognitive space left to process language of any kind, really, but certainly in the kind of language that's meant to be um, reread and savored in more literary fiction. My job just makes it hard for me to really feel like I, I have what enough energy left to really appreciate literature in the way that I want to. As a result, I end up seeing reading as doing more work. And so I just don't do it as often as I would like. Oh, I can't wait until we jump into these recommendations, Nico, because I think we've come up with some books that you could take with you on the train, but also curl up with at night um, that might help you feel a little bit more connected to the fiction that you're looking for. So over the next two rounds, we'll each introduce you to books that we love. We get points based on how much you like the date we set you up on. You win no matter what by getting six great reading recommendations, but one of us will win by being this week's best matchmaker. And if we win, we get to link to our favorite indie bookstores in the show notes. So today I'm going to be playing for Beaverdale Books in Des Moines, Iowa. They just celebrated their 15th anniversary, which is amazing. So congrats, Beaverdale Books. Elena, who are you playing for? I will be playing uh, for the bookstore For Keeps in Atlanta, Georgia, which I discovered through an Oprah, Oprah Daily roundup of Black-owned independent bookstores in the United States. And this was a one of the recommendations from Tayari Jones. And Kristen, what indie bookstore are you playing for today? I'm playing for Paper Cuts JP, which is one of my very favorite indies in Boston. Fantastic. Okay, Nico, get ready for your literary meet cute. 
Let's hear about Elena's first pick for you. Okay. So Nico, in your questionnaire, you wrote that your ideal tattoo would be a chest piece depicting different vignettes from Greek mythology, which sparked this recommendation. And also I think it's a great idea and you should get it as a tattoo. Um, I've been searching for ages to give someone this recommendation because the book is quite niche and I am grateful you've given me this opportunity because I think you'll find it as eye-opening and nerdy as I do. The book I'm talking about is The Ingenious Language, Nine Epic Reasons to Love Ancient Greek by Andrea Marco Longo. Marco Longo is a classic scholar from Italy who has an incredible knack at making ancient matters seem urgent and relevant in the present day. She begins this very slim book by writing that for all of the statues and philosophy and drama they left behind, we'll never know the ancient Greeks or understand how their language sounded. But she, like many before and after her, are still pulled in by the grand mystery of this cultural inheritance. Who were the Greeks and how can we learn from them? Herein lies the magic of the book. She encourages us to see the world as the ancient Greeks may have through the prism of their language. For example, the first chapter is this grand rhapsody on verb tenses of all things. The Greeks conceived of time differently, which is reflected in their verbs. Later on in the book, she speaks about the sentence structure and how the placement of every single word was deliberate. And by the end, you'll know what the optative mood is and why the loss of it in modern language might just break your heart. Language is in so many ways the way we perceive and make sense of the world and each other, and this book will infuse language with possibility and maybe make reality sparkle a little bit more. That is The Ingenious Language by Andrea Marcolongo. Okay, so Elena's first pick is The Ingenious Language by Andrea Marcolongo. Kristen, what's your first round pick? All right, Nico, I know you're a makeup artist with many opinions about cosmetic powders. I'm going to say that again. I know you're a makeup artist with many opinions about cosmetic powders, so my first pick may hit a little bit too close to home. Kate Zambrino's Green Girl, the 2011 novel that fully launched her into our literary orbit, is is about an American shop girl in London named Ruth. Ruth is kind of a mess, and she hates her job. Every day, she sprays perfume samples and calls after customers, would you like to sample desire? It's actually giving me Britney Spears vibes. (laughs) Zambrino's style is wild, propulsive, and relentless, and disarmingly loose and casual. In some ways, Green Girl is a novel of the body. It's about sex and parties and glamour, but it's also about how fragile and fleeting all those things really are. Like many other readers, you might come to hate Ruth as much as you are fascinated by or worried about her. Whatever your verdict, I guarantee you won't be able to stop thinking about her once you reach the end. Okay, so Kristen's first round pick is Green Girl by Kate Zambrino. Reading through your questionnaire, I zoomed in on a few things for this first pick. Your love of fall as a transitional season, your desire for a long trip to see the world, but also your rootedness in the contemporary, both political and cultural. The recommendation I cannot shake from my mind is the 2019 short story collection, The World Does Not Require You by Rihanna Milkar Scott. In this collection, Scott introduces us to the fictional town of Cross River, a place rich in mythology, even if it isn't the Greek kind. Scott's tone is satirical and rich, weaving in magical realism throughout. This collection plays on cultural issues of race and autonomy with the characters including The Last Son of God, which leads off the collection. The true shining star of this book is the final multi-part story. It's almost a novella that skewers scholarship at universities, 
with a Department of Loneliness Studies. It's scattered with different types of writing and emails and lists and monologues, but all of it has the kind of prose that sings. Scott's collection is robust enough to bust through any reading slump, and the short story format means it's approachable at the end of a long day. All right, so our first round picks are Elena's The Ingenious Language by Andrea Marcolongo, Kristen's pick Green Girl by Kate Zambrino, and my pick The World Does Not Require You by Rian Emilcar Scott. So you have to tell us which one you pick or if you've read any of them before. Wow, guys, I have chills. And considering that I just had my legs waxed, it's a very painful experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> all of these, sorry if that was TMI, you can delete it. No, um, no we I love, love it. it. We love it. But wow. Can I swear on here? But but like, <laughs> I'm really like blown away. Um, okay, so... This is really hard for me to do, but my heart is drawn toward Rachel's pick. Yes! Because I do, (laughs) when I was last in a reading slump, the thing that really brought me out of it was the short story. Like, I, I love my collections of, like, the best American short stories. I love my, like, O. Henry Prize stories. Um, because they're, they were digestible enough that I didn't feel like I had to, um, you know, set aside like X amount of calories to get through them at the end of the day, particularly like as like, like a once upon a time aspiring academic derailed by circumstance, anything that skewers like academia is really, really like it for me um and so like elena you know that i would i would love that book and i'm gonna read it and and kristen your recommendation i didn't even know that kate zambrino wrote a book about a counter girl but like both of those are absolutely things that i'm going to read too i'm just going to say that i'm gonna read rachel's pick first of the three Yes, you will. Oh my gosh, you will love the loneliness studies. It's the most bonkers novella I've ever read. And yes, if you are somebody who loves a skeptical view of academia, it is awesome. I couldn't stop thinking about it for days. So at the end of the first round, I am leading with 20 points since Nico chose my book. Elena and Kristen both have zero for now, but that might change in the second round. Welcome back for another round. We are here for another three book recommendations. So it's a new round, but the same point system. Elena, do you want to lead us off? Yes. Okay, Nico, I am making our people proud. I'm keeping with the Greek theme. I couldn't help it. You wrote that you reread Circe, which leads me to believe that you're into mythological retellings infused with somewhat modern sensibilities. I've read a lot of those, but none quite as delightful as God's Behaving Badly by Marie Phillips. The novel, which came out in 2007, imagines what would happen if the Olympian gods lived among the people of London, mingling and making major mischief. I'll paint a picture of the opening scene so you can see how irreverent and yet in tune with the gods' original personalities and power structures. Artemis, once a huntress, is now a dog walker. On page one, she encounters a talking tree. 
Turns out the tree had recently been a VP at Goldman Sachs named Kate, who turned down Apollo's advances. Even though he's working as a charming TV psychic in the 21st century, Artemis's twin Apollo has not abandoned his old habit of turning women into trees. The premise itself is ingenious, as are the gods' other, more modern jobs. Dionysus, for example, is now a DJ. But the plot really gets going when a mortal couple gets swept up into the gods' drama, and they all race toward an end-of-the-world scenario. Scene for scene, gods behaving badly pays tribute to the fact that the Greek gods really did behave badly in Greek mythology. The book lovingly gets at their human side and how vulnerable they become in a world that they're no longer the center of. Without worship, the gods are losing their strength. Yep, they have existential dread too. Think the wit of a British TV show and the mythological references that will make you feel like you're in on a wonderful joke. That's Gods Behaving Badly by Marie Phillips. Okay, so Elena's round two pick is Gods Behaving Badly by Marie Phillips. Okay, Kristen, what's your round two pick? Oh man, Elena, I'm really mad that you chose Gods Behaving Badly because I love that book so much. Um, Okay. But, you know, it's okay. I also circled in Nico on your love of Circe and all things Greek mythology. But instead of a novel form, I'm going for something more short and digestible, which might still help overcome that reading slump that you mentioned before. I've chosen The Very Pleasurable Wake Siren, Ovid Resung by Nina McLaughlin. These are bite-sized retellings of Ovid's metamorphoses with really big clapback energy. In the opening tale, which is about Daphne, Apollo is not charm like a charming Lothario, kind of like he is in God's Behaving Badly. He's actually a total tool and a terrifying monster. And the story launches us from the relative domestic comforts of a spice cabinet to the woodland scene of Daphne's assault. In Eurydice's story, which I really love, she's a teen who hates her parents' psychedelic folk rock records and is bad at picking boyfriends and who ultimately joins a band of her own. There she meets O, a rock star who sings like an angel, but who is violent, unpredictable, and who pushes her to an unexpected edge. The language in each of these tales pulses and snaps, and it feels almost caught between eras. Our familiar world might lay on the surface of each story, but the mythological world of high drama and mystery and magic is never far away. All right, so Kristen's round two pick is Wake Siren by Nina McLaughlin. Okay, so sorry, I didn't go Greek. I went sex. No, I'm not sorry, really. Um, I had considered a lot of picks for the second round here, but ultimately, I'm going with a 2020 debut poetry collection that roams around the globe from Palestine to LA and feels extremely restless. But again, plus, again, it's very sexy, which the title clues you into. Strip by Jessica Abogadis. Abogadis' voice is as profane as it is sublime. In one poem, she writes, poetry is a plain woman who comes and goes as she pleases. And you feel that in the deeply personal poems about love and longing and travel and identity that she writes. You said that you love your best friend because he's honest with you. And poetry feels like honesty to me when it's at its best. A quick excerpt because it's hard to do justice for poetry and get its flavor, which to me feels like your dream Saturday of rain and staying in with someone you love. So in her poem, Luck, here's an excerpt. A November city street, the neon eagerness of it, an inexhaustible paradise. The world has unlatched its bra for me tonight. On my tongue, luck, lust, and love all sound the same. A brief astonishment pulsing through my lungs. Sometimes you need some poetry, and Abogada's voice is a refreshing one to add to your collection. Okay, so your round two picks are 
Elena's Choice, God's Behaving Badly by Helen Phillips, Kristen's Choice, Wake Siren by Nina McLaughlin, or My Choice, Strip by Jessica Abogadis. Nico, what do you think? Well, this is, again, very difficult. God, you guys are really good. Um, the My first pick from, from this batch is going to be God's Behaving Badly. I do often find myself drawn toward things that are pretty heavy and deep. And I think that's part of the reason why I often associate reading with doing more work emotionally or otherwise. And so I appreciate the idea of a book that taps into some of the things that I really enjoy, like Greek mythology and for the record, like British wit. Um, And I, tells the story with a little bit more levity. Um, I think that it's a book that I would, I would really look forward to reading, like kind of like a guilt, guilty pleasure almost. I know that term is loaded for lots of reasons, but uh, that's my first pick. Um, but the other two recommendations um, are, again, absolutely aligned with what I'm interested in and what I need at this point in my life. And I will be reading both of those as well. Thank you guys again. Well, of course, but this does leave us in a very uh, hard situation here. So at the end of the second round, Elena has 20 points and I have 20 points. So what what we're going to do is go to a tiebreaker. So let's pretend that you were actually on a dating app and there were two people that you thought were equally interesting. You'd go with a hotter person, right? Like every time. (laughs) So uh, for this particular game, we're going to have you look at the covers of the two books that you chose. And we're going to describe them out loud and you're going to pick the hotter cover and that person's pick wins for the week. So the cover of God's Behaving Badly definitely does a good job of combining like the classic idea of the of what we think of as Greek gods plus the irreverent tone of the book and the entire premise like ha 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 gods in London. So what I'm looking at right now is this bright orange cover and then on the right side it is a statue um, of the classical greek variety like very chiseled all white and he's reclining and he's wearing underwear that are this bright purple underwear with emojis on them (laughs) and this sort of like ridiculous cover like i don't think it would be made today um and there's another version too and it's like a woman statue in lingerie (laughs) (laughs) and she doesn't have a head. So I don't know. They just make me laugh. Pretty much have all you need to know from this statue with underwear on that you're going to be in for a treat. All right. And the cover of The World Does Not Require You by Rihanna Milkar Scott has a lot of white space. So it's got this stark contrast between the bold, almost square words of the title, um, as well as the white background. And then there's only one figure on the cover and that's a black man. And he seems to be pushing on the cover of the book, almost like he's trying to hold it closed. He has a serious expression on his face. He's wearing sunglasses. And the the style of the art is sort of like an oil painting or maybe a lush colored pencil. It's really detailed and beautiful to look at. So that's the cover of The World Doesn't Require You, kind of a more realistic Uh, stark black and white um, contrast with the words in the background. All right, Nico, which is your choice for the week? So Elena knows me so well. I I hear reclining guy in underwear and I'm there. (laughs) So 
uh, Rachel, you said earlier you didn't go Greek. You're gonna you went sex. Well, Alana went Greek and sex, so <laughs> I gotta give it to my girl and go with "Guys Behaving Badly" by Marie Phillips. Excellent. All right. Well, that means that this week's winner is Elena, and we will be linking in our show notes to four keeps in Atlanta, Georgia. Again, that's Tyree Jones. Uh, recommended bookstore. I have to say, I love the cover of The World Doesn't Require You. I, I always admired it. I didn't even know, Rachel, the book you were recommending until I saw the cover. And I was like, oh, that's the one with the cover I like. So I think this cover <laughs> is also pretty. Maybe it, it's not quite as Greek gaudy, but um, I, I think it's very beautifully drawn. It's a really striking design for sure. Excellent. Well, I like it too, obviously. <laughs> Nico, we are so glad you could join us today. And I hope that you find a book that grabs you in and helps you relax at the end of your busy days. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at my extremely creative uh, handle, Nico Marigus, all one word, N-I-K-O-M-A-R-H-E-O-S, um, on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and I hope to see you there. Thank you guys so much for this. I, it really, truly did. This is the first time I've been excited about reading a book in a very long time. And, um, I can't thank you enough for, uh, helping that process along. So thanks again. We are, we are oh, so God. happy to be there for that. Um, Elena, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Elena Wonders and on Instagram also at Elena Wonders or for book memes, books, and Elena. And Kristen, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Paper Alphabet. That's P-A-P-E-R Alphabet. You can find me at on Twitter at R-M McKenney, M-C-K-E-N-N-Y, or on Instagram at Rachel Mans McKenney. You can find all the books that we talked about today in our show notes. And again, all the buy links will go to Four Keeps in Atlanta, Georgia. You can find our show online at blinddatewithabookpod.com and at bookmeetcute on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow us and tell us all the books that you have fallen in love with recently. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mans McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mans McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.